5: of the Daniel Morgan murder. I'm Peter Jukes.
3: I'm Divi Amir.
5: And we'll be exploring new revelations from the book by Alastair and me and more of the story which no one thought could be told.
0: I didn't probably know properly really until I was about 14 or 15. You know, Mum did an amazing job at protecting us, and she still tries to. Eventually she had to tell us that something had happened that wasn't just, you know, chest pains and stuff. And I think we thought that he'd been hit, you know, on the back of his neck and his neck had broken. I can't pinpoint how I found out or, you know, I think I read something and it must have been some sort of official police document or something that we were given, maybe a report that said, you know, what really happened and actually probably even, still only till a few years ago, actually how horrific you know, and what they did to him, how bad it really was.
5: That was Sarah Morgan, recalling for the first time in public how she discovered the details of her father's death.
3: Untold, the Daniel Morgan murder.
5: Welcome to episode four of the second season of Untold, the Daniel Morgan murder.
3: Yes, welcome. Let's just catch up on where we are. In the first two episodes, we looked at new evidence that the first murder inquiry had been compromised and that the role of Sid Fillery soon came under suspicion. But in the third episode, we explored how there could have been a wider element of police corruption, especially with a possible connection between Daniel's murder and the violent death of Taffy Holmes four months later. So, Peter, where are we now with the first murder inquiry, Morgan One?
5: Well, we're four months into the inquiry, late in the summer of 1987, and basically the detectives investigating the Taffy Holmes strand had been sent off the squad. So, along comes now, at this point, an amazing new strand, and that is the allegations made by Kevin Lennon, a bookkeeper who helped to form Southern Investigations with Daniel Morgan and Jonathan Reese, that Jonathan Reese had been planning the death. Of Daniel Morgan a whole year before it happened
3: and this is what we're going to look at in this episode the explosive allegations of Kevin Lennon which Alastair Morgan and the family first heard about at the inquest into Daniel's murder in April 1988 and let's just replay this section from series one
0: The first witness was Kevin Lennon. And before the inquest, we'd been wondering, why on earth is this man the first witness? He's a bookkeeper in in the company. He was cross-examined by the coroner and by our barrister, who had no idea that this was going to happen. And it was just as if all of our worst fears were confirmed. This is what you stated in the statement. I formed the opinion that John Reese was determined to either kill Daniel Morgan or have him killed. When he spoke to me about it, John Reese was quite calm and unemotional about planning Daniel's death. It was astonishing. I was sitting in the court thinking, well, why don't they arrest these people now? You know, it was a bizarre situation. And then the next day, it was all over the papers. And, you know, on the front page of The Sun, it was in big letters. Tuesday 12th of April 1988, police in contract to kill. A private eye was axed to death after his partner offered police cronies £1,000 to murder him. It was claimed yesterday. Pint-sized John Reese boasted of his contract with CID men to get rid of womanising Daniel Morgan, an inquest jury heard.
5: Now it's important to note that Lennon's evidence was contested by Reese's lawyer because Lennon was on a fraud charge with the insinuation that he was somehow coerced by the police into making this statement.
3: So this is the whole focus of this episode. Lennon is the key witness who explains a conspiracy to kill Daniel a year before it happened. So was Lennon forced into giving this crucial evidence? Now, this has always been the defence's protest against Lennon, hasn't it? Yeah. Because he was caught in a multi-million VAT tax fraud and had his sentence suspended for giving the evidence for the police inquiry.
5: Yeah, that's right, and given the levels of police corruption in South East London in the 80s, it's a pretty persuasive argument, isn't it?
3: And this is our big reveal of this episode, isn't it? Because we have compelling new material that Lennon's allegations had nothing to do with any deal he made with the police.
5: Absolutely, we can prove that Lennon's allegation of Rees's plot from 1986 is completely independent of any deal with the police.
3: Now, the background to Lennon is that he helped to set up Southern Investigations with Daniel and Reese back in 1983. Now, he was introduced to both of them by a joint friend, a former detective inspector called Laurie Bucknell.
5: And we've discovered since the first series that it was Laurie Bucknell First, told the Morgan murder inquiry that he'd heard about the plan to kill Daniel way back in the spring of 1986 at a drunken session with Kevin Lennon at a restaurant called The Mythos.
3: But the problem was Lennon hadn't mentioned this when interviewed by police immediately after Daniel's murder.
5: No, he hadn't. So the murder team realised that Lennon was initially not going to be a willing witness and it would have been Bucknell's word against his. So what did they do? What they did next was they got Bucknell to wear a wire and go back to the same restaurant and talk to Lennon about his original allegations.
3: And we've got the transcripts of that taped conversation. So what we're going to do is use actors to reconstruct the scene for you. So let's hear what Irish bookkeeper Kevin Lennon said when quizzed by the former Detective Inspector Laurie Bucknell as they returned to the Mythos restaurant in July 1987.
1: Do you ever think any more about that? You know, you said he asked, asked you if you knew anybody. Do you ask other people? Did you say he asked other people? I'm not sure he would ask other people that particular question. Sorry? I wouldn't think he asked other people that particular question. You wouldn't think... I, I, w- I wouldn't think the people I know he spoke to, he, 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 he would he would have asked that particular question to. Mm. I don't think so. I don't think so somehow, no. I mean, what... <laughs> what made him think you, you'd you be able to set up... employ somebody? <laughs> I mean, oh, what, what did he actually say then, you know? Yeah. Oh, you, you know, he was... Anxious to get rid of Daniel. Wanted someone to do it. So he said to me, did I know anyone who can do it? What? what more than once? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He mentioned it a couple of times. <sighs> it's unbelievable, isn't it? Because <laughs> <laughs> like Saturday before, <clears throat> they seemed to be getting like on... on well, like actually, a I, no, I wasn't there. They were good friends. Yeah. He asked me that a couple of times. Don't ask me, I don't know. He, he, he thought he could sort of manufacture something. Something mm. like that out of, out of thin air. Huh. From what John said, uh, you know, i going to pay a thousand pounds to have a look around and know someone to do it. So what did he actually say then, you know? Find someone to get rid of Daniel. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, when I first met John, I thought butter wouldn't melt in his mouth, you know?
3: More wine, sir.
1: Oh, uh, yeah, please. Um, yeah, French, please. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah thanks very much. And you, sir? Yeah, uh, fine, thanks. Did he... I mean, did he ever suggest if you couldn't get anybody... Well, you had no intention anyway, I know, as you said before, that he'd go somewhere else? I don't know how long after it was, Larry. A, a couple of times... You know, it was discussed. You know, mm-hmm. it snowballed again. Sometime afterwards, did uh, then, he, then he just told me to drop it? Sorry, Maybe he just told me to drop it. He said he had something. Oh, oh! Did he say who? Well, that's the the end play with the police. I'm sorry, Catford Police. What the uh, that they do it or Get someone to do it. You know, the the viens. Did he ever say why he wanted it, done, Didn't like Daniel. What, just just he hated him. Right. And whose idea was it to go into business in the first place with the two of them, you know? Uh, I think it was John. Huh? Yeah, one day he said to me, well, don't worry about it anymore, I've got it organised. What, doing? Well, I told him. Now, I know we're drunk and that, but I told him we'd have a natter. I got pissed and I told you about it. And I was really worried about it <laughs> we were pissed yeah, like well, I pissed. Guess. and I told you about it I just I didn't know what to do about it I just uh, didn't know what to do and, and I didn't do anything in the end because I, I didn't think it would happen no, so I, I I thought John would get over it yeah, yeah I'm still finding it difficult to believe it's happened mm, it's happened already right. I, mean, I know it's four or five months ago but I'm mm, not sure who done it I find it confusing I mean what did John gain out of it Mm. if he did do it you know Mm. what was John's motive for it if he did do it I mean there's nothing directly is there Brian Les you know as you say he hated Mm. it I mean absolutely hated it well you've got to hate a bloke a lot to do that though haven't you I don't know I don't know about you but I find it difficult you know hit a bloke on the head with a lump of wood I mean let alone Something like that. <laughs> I think i <I'd> run away. <laughs> southern <laughs> joke. Oh, well, that's a nice drop of wine, that isn't it? Oh, yeah. Mm. Very nice, yeah. <laughs> so, how long ago then did he actually ask you, then? um you know, before it actually happens? I don't know. I mean, you were saying he was asking mm. you on a number of occasions over a year oh well, a year yeah different times it wasn't a sudden thing for John you know it didn't just suddenly happen overnight with John mm. disliked Daniel he just disliked him that's nasty isn't it oh, nasty when someone's dead mm. yeah through any course unnecessarily young man you know yeah mm.
0: just to let
5: you know Most of the tape is clear, but some words are a bit indistinct. And it's our reading from context and uh, from likelihood that Lennon mentions the Vians and Catford police.
3: But what is loud and clear is that Lennon knew about Reese's plot in 1986 and told Bucknell.
5: And that means at that time there was no police deal in the offing, so there could be no inducement or coercion. So Lennon was played this tape in August 1987 and it was quite clearly caught saying that and went on to make two police statements which emerged at the inquest the next spring.
3: Which leads us to our second big revelation of this episode. Because wearing a wire worked so well to get Lennon to confess what he knew, the Morgan One murder squad decided to use it again, this time against Reese. So they wired up Kevin Lennon and sent him to go and see Jonathan Reese to see if he would admit on tape what had happened.
5: But as we'll see, it didn't quite go to plan.
1: There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wegovy and Zepbound for those who qualify. I am Detective Inspector Alan Jones attached to St. Mary Cray Police Station today the 26th of November 1987 at 11am. I broke the seal of a new tape which was placed onto a recorder, now secreted on the body of Kevin Lennon. The time is now 1pm and the machine will be switched off until used later. The time is now 1.25pm and the machine will remain switched on. Well, I'll tuck your shirt in at the back in a minute.
5: So, with the tape machine hidden under Lennon's shirt, the murder investigators dropped the bookkeeper off for a lunchtime drink at one of Jonathan Reese's favourite pubs on a cold winter's day. Fuck.
1: Fucking cold. What's going on here? Fucking hello. Hmm? Hell, oh Hello Ed. How are you, mate? How are you doing? Uh, lovely, thanks.
4: Oh, you've got, uh, you got, you got your hat with
1: you. Oh, no, that's another one. Oh, it's, oh, it's another one. Yeah, that's a cap. <laughs> another Guinness, please, I think.
5: And then it all started going wrong. Instead of discussing the plot to kill Daniel, the bookkeeper and the private eye spent the next two hours chatting with locals at the pub about Fawlty Towers, Alf Garnet, Des O'Connor and other TV shows. This was followed by endless long-winded and now deeply unfunny jokes about Irish and Jewish people. There were snippets of gossip from South London police stations and gangland connections. But it's only after an interminable afternoon of bad jokes and pub bores that Reese and Lennon finally made their way back to the Southern Investigations office in Thornton Heath to discuss anything substantive. So what does this fucking Anderson want, do you think? So Lennon's cover story was that he'd been approached not by the murder squad, but by the Met's Internal Investigations Unit, CIB2, about payments Southern Investigations had made to police officers around the time of the Bellman Auction security detail.
1: So what does this fucking Anderson want, do you think? Do what? Anderson. I mean, what does he want from me? He's quite a fucking strappy, aggressive sort of guy, isn't he? Oh,
4: yeah. I mean, yeah. He was
1: really annoyed I couldn't see him today. Have you met him?
4: No, I've spoken to him. He's the one that threatened to arrest me for falsifying accounts.
1: So what's his game, then?
4: He's uh, CIB2. Yeah? Yeah. They handle investigations into complaints against police. Um, That's nothing to do. Well, that's their problem. That's an old...
1: It's an internal
4: thing. Yeah, it's an internal thing. Yeah, yeah. 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 So who complains? uh, Internally complains, do they? Well, no, they... Someone makes a complaint against police. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like, um, well, because of the. They saw the affidavits regarding the Belmont auctions, mm. where Belmont auctions alleged that police officers were working at these premises at, at Campbell's. So, this. Well, something for CIB2, he passed it on to CIB2. That, that bastard. Yeah, they're not trying to link that with Danny now, are
1: they? You are. They're not trying to link Belmont with Danny. Of course they are, are they? Well,
4: you know that. And I, I, I thought that was what they said, but I didn't fucking believe it. What they're saying is that that me, that me and the three officers yes. that were locked up with me, plus Duncan Hanrahan and, and Alec Layton, six of us, yes. did the robbery, we stole the £18,000. From Belmont, right? Yeah. Daniel found out about it so we killed him. Oh, yeah. I mean, that, that was an easy... A, a nice easy... Yeah. So, so we had... We had three... Uh, there wasn't £18,000 in those books anyway, was there? <laughs> sure. I mean, in that case. <laughs> yeah. But anyway... I mean, Say there was... I don't know... 13000 So that's £3,000 each. You're talking about two DSs there on... Well, they're on an average of twenty five, twenty six thousand pounds a year. Yeah. Four DCs or or, um, three DCs, and all
1: the pension rights, you know.
4: Yeah, yeah. Three DCs. That's on an an average of twenty thousand pounds a year. There's me as well. So we're all going to put our good names and careers and and, and livelihood at risk for a lousy fucking three thousand pounds. That's fucking it. So um, that's crazy, isn't it? Yeah, that's crazy. And every but everybody. Yeah, I I know. I know. This is this is this is everyone. Literally every and and on all the old bill turn round and say it's a load of fucking shit and nonsense.
5: Let's be fair, and Reese is really quite convincing about this. The amount of money involved in the Belmont Auctions robbery, eighteen thousand, was really never a plausible motive for murder. Well nor was the civil case that followed it, given the turnover of sudden investigations. But Reese did confirm in this conversation with Lennon that he was still in contact with Sid Fillery, who'd been dropped from the murder squad six months previously and had been on sick leave, but
4: was clearly still managing things behind the scenes. But I'm stuck. I'm fucking... Sid, Sid, I keep telling you, yeah. you know, they're all saying, oh, how's John Reese? What's John Reese like? They're all panicking over me, those bastards. And I'm sat... I'm sat there, fucking calm.
1: Yeah, and, that's right. Uh, yeah, yeah. Go on about your business. Yeah, and yeah. Sid's
4: saying, "Look, John Reese is a fucking wall, and we put our backs to him and fight the enemy coming on." John Reese is a fucking wall. That's right. Yeah, but they all keep fucking. Uh, uh, that, I don't know. I don't know. No, is it a wall or is it a fence? You know. All this fucking shit. They don't trust one another. That's yeah. the trouble, I suppose. Yeah. At the end of the day, I've had old Bill coming to me over the years that I've been in this job, coming to me, total strangers, say to me, "Oh, uh, oh, John, nice to meet you, etc." Yeah. If ever you need any CN or PNC checks or CRO checks, give us a call, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Like that. Total strangers come up. Yeah.
5: So though it's cryptic and Reese doesn't name names. Here he can be heard admitting there had been a prolific trade in PNC, that's police computer, and CRO, that's criminal record checks, between the private detective agency and corrupt cops. That's way back in the late 80s. Now nothing was done about this for 20 years. And for all the suspicious background of what Reese can be heard saying, there was nothing really deeply incriminating in terms of the plot to kill Daniel. So... Perhaps with a bit better briefing, Lennon was sent undercover again a few days later, wired up.
1: I am Detective Inspector Alan Jones, attached to St Mary Cray Police Station. On Wednesday, the 2nd of December 1987, at Tintagel House, SE 11, I opened the seal on a tape that has been fitted on the person of Kevin Lennon. The time is now. 446 and the machine is going to be switched off and switched on later
5: this time so the conversation wouldn't get waylaid into long-winded pub jokes lennon was sent to see reese at his home in south croydon come in
1: ah how are you doing it's bloody freezing out there you know
5: i know yeah even though he was at home Reese was a lot less voluble and friendly on this occasion. Most his answers to Lennon's questions were monosyllabic. But he did respond when, presumably coached to do so by his police handlers, Lennon got around to mentioning the suggestion that there'd been a plot to assassinate Daniel.
1: I was more concerned because there was this contract after Danny for about two years. Contracts are on it? Someone wanted Danny killed two years ago. I said I didn't know who wanted him. They said, well, do you think it's John? You know, figures are down. I said, that's impossible. I said, they were just building the business up then. We have reason to believe that John Reese was asking around. I said, well, I hope this is... Have you already asked John this question, or have you asked him? They said, no, we haven't actually gone up to John and said we... Fair enough. I said, it was the first I heard about it. Showing his darker side
5: and his sense of entitlement and power over the police, Reese responded to this new lead with personal and legal threats.
4: If I do get into an opportunity to see him again and uh, I will be a thousand more, be really fucking rude to him and uh, make him fucking suffer, mm. my complaints, well, they won't be able to see me because my complaint has, has gone off now so they'll be kept away from me. yeah. yeah. Did they say anything about me complaining or suing so them? No, didn't say a thing. I didn't mention us. Tomorrow morning, you've got to phone up your solicitor.
5: Despite the cups of tea and cagey questioning, neither Lennon nor Reese could resist for long, and they were soon on their way to a local pub.
1: Oh, snippy out tonight, isn't it? Yeah. Bloody wind. It's all quiet in here tonight. What are you having? Oh, a pint of Guinness. 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 Me breakfast, me dinner, whatever time
4: of day it is. <laughs> Good evening. Hello there. Hello. Bye uh, to Guinness, please. With the beer flowing, Reese did open
5: up a bit more about the background to Daniel's murder, including admission, at odds with his police statements, that he was having a fling with the woman Daniel Morgan was also seeing, Margaret Harrison.
4: They have such that me and. Uh, me and Margaret are having a little fling. Yeah? Malcolm was uh, on about it. John Reese is fucking chopped in to get hold of her. Oh Jesus. That doesn't
1: help now, does it? It's just unfortunate, yeah. Fucking nuisance. And What are they gonna say about it? He and Margaret got together last week.
5: Within a year of this recording, both Jonathan Reese and Margaret Harrison would leave and divorce their partners move in together and eventually marry. Meanwhile, in the nine months since Daniel's murder, the volume of trade coming to sudden investigations doesn't seem to have declined. If anything, the brutal killing had led to a boost in the business.
4: From, well, since the 11th of March, we've paid £105,000 into the new business account. Oof. So it's not bad going, is it? Uh, considering all the fucking hassle we've had. Oh, you got a nice business there, you yeah, know. It's yeah. a
1: nice business. It's yeah. not shrinking, it's fucking growing, you know. Mm-hmm. I expect a bit of a setback with Daniel and that, but, you know. Yeah,
5: yeah. we're still there. We're still there. But key to Southern Investigations' future profitability was the suggestion by Lennon months before it actually happened in March 1988 that Sid Fillery was going to take Daniel's place. And here, in December 87, the plan for Philip's retirement seems to have been well-developed.
1: Still a Cadford, is he? Huh? Still a Cadford, is he?
4: No, no, he's off sick, isn't he?
1: He's off sick?
4: Yeah, he's trying to work his ticket, isn't he? Oh, yeah, fair enough. Doing the mental bit, you know. Yeah. Trauma a bit, the trauma. Oh. Fair enough. How many years has he got to go now? Uh, he's got uh, tw- twenty-four. He said. Oh, so he's got six to go officially. Well, no, you, you finish at uh, twenty-five.
1: They do. Yeah, thirty, aren't
4: you? But if you get if, if you get if you if you get on the sick, they stick an extra three years on top, so they give him his full twenty-five.
1: Oh, I see. So th- that's
4: twenty-eight. And um, um, pension gets uh, what seven hundred pounds a month pension. Hmm. Yeah, plus you get a lump sum all the time. Yeah, it's all right, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Oh, fucking hell, he must be getting there now. Yeah. When did we get arrested? April? Uh, right? Yeah, April sometime. And um, they. Um, so, about a month after that, mm. the very senior, the very senior policeman <laughs> said to him, he said, he said to Sid, uh. they've handed you. A fucking open cheque, mate.
1: Take <laughs> what?
4: Yeah, they've handed you an open cheque on a platter. Yeah. yeah. Take it, take
1: it. That's a thing, isn't it? It's a job, isn't it? Yeah.
4: Yeah, he said, Detective Sergeant, he said, in all the national papers, in all the national newspapers, for murder, yeah? So, uh, well, he said was
1: delighted, was he?
5: Eh?
1: Sid was delighted. Yeah, yeah.
5: But for all this casual, if revealing, chat, Lennon had none of the detective skills of, say, Laurie Bucknell, in terms of getting Reese to open up, especially about the involvement of Fillory in that plan to kill Daniel in May 1986.
1: Oh, why not? That's a good idea. It's pretty kind of, you. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Honestly,
4: I was going to try some goods, actually. You're trying to pint, John? Yeah, I had a half last weekend, yeah.
1: No, It's not too sharp, yeah?
4: I feel a bit bloated on that ladder. Yeah,
1: yeah, it's a bit gassy, isn't it, the old ladder, yeah?
5: Before the session was over, Lennon did make one last attempt to push the subject of the contract killing
4: further, but Reese was alert to it.
1: So you've got it sorted, have you? I know
4: it, but it do not matter. It doesn't matter. It's nonsense. It's nonsense. Yeah, it just worries me John, cuz you know i've got so much problems of me own mm. i don't wanna get involved today the conversation was that what what they want what they want from you yeah. is for you to say that for you to say that john Reese told me that he fucking hated despised danny morgan and john he said to me one day I'm gonna kill that. No, bu- I never said that, John. I never said that. I never said. No, I've I've, I've never said that to no, you. No, I know that, John. All their fucking bull and all their bullying of you and yeah. all that fucking bull. Mm. They, they're trying to bully you yeah, into know, lying about me, so they can so they can resolve. I know, I know, because they've made an absolute fucking shit. I know but it just worries me, John. Yeah, yeah. 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 Like this it's it's contract b- thing just worries it's me. It's bollocks. It's bollocks. Mm. It's, it's it's absolute bollocks of fucking shit,
1: John. I I didn't. I can assure you. But I just remember our conversations a few years ago when you were really annoyed at Danny,
4: and that's... Uh, yeah, contract. Contract? Yeah. I mean, that, that. I don't think I ever heard that fucking word before until you just fucking mentioned it.
3: I mean, listening to that, you can see why Lennon didn't extract a confession. You know, Reese does seem very wary. And, you know, it does suggest what you and Alistair wrote in your book, the rumour that Reese had been tipped off about Lennon setting him up and wearing a wire.
5: Yes, there are witnesses who say that Reese was spotted weeping in the offices of Southern Investigations and certainly Lennon himself believed he'd been exposed by somebody still working in the murder team.
3: I know this is speculation as you know, we can hear on the tapes that there was no direct confession but given their history, Lennon would have been a very powerful witness against Reese in, in any trial, right?
5: Well, the police didn't think so. And they didn't think at that time, late 87, early 88, there was enough evidence to prosecute Rees and virtually nothing against Fillory or the Vians. So they were all released from their bail conditions.
3: And that, sadly, was the end of Morgan One.
5: Yes, but the outrage when Lennon's evidence came out at the inquest in 1988, that did cause a second murder inquiry, the Hampshire Inquiry, which started a few weeks after the inquest. And for that, Lennon was an important witness.
3: Well, I think actually you explain the importance of Lennon to the second investigation, The Hampshire Inquiry, best in your book. So let's hear Alastair Morgan read that extract.
0: On 28th of June 1988, a team of six investigators and eight other staff began that task. Operation Drake was the name given to the police computer's Holmes account for the second murder investigation. The parallel inquiry into the allegations of corruption, under the auspices of the PCA, was called Operation Plymouth. At the heart of both investigations was Kevin Lennon's allegation that Reese was planning the murder for a year before it happened, and eventually decided to work with Sid Fillery. Soon after the inquest, Lennon had received a suspended sentence for tax fraud, reduced in return for helping the first Morgan murder inquiry. DCS Wheeler re-interviewed the bookkeeper on 1st of September 1988, accompanied by his deputy, DCI Blaker. Lennon reiterated the same allegations he'd made under oath in April at the coroner's court and in his previous police statements, but he added some telling details. Lennon said that because of Reese's insistent pleas to find someone to kill Daniel, he had actually gone along with the plan to commission a hitman, but only with a view, he told the officers, to ripping Reese off. Lennon admitted he had approached two men who would agree to the murder and take 3000 pounds advance from Reese and yet do nothing. He'd planned to introduce them to Reese and secure the fee at a pub meeting, but Reese never attended. Then Reese told Lennon of a new plan, to use the Catford police to carry out the murder. In retrospect, this account makes sense of the prolonged and multiple discussions the bookkeeper had with Reese about killing Daniel. Why would the private detective have confided so much in Lennon, unless they were working as allies in some way? But to DCS Wheeler and DCI Blaker, this new admission seemed to cause concern. They began to wonder about Lennon's credibility and his demeanour. The murder plot allegations, they decided, were totally dependent on Lennon, by now a convicted fraudsman. The Hampshire detectives found that they were unable to gain a shred of evidence that corroborates his statement. This was an odd assertion. The original source of the information, the former senior police officer DCI Bucknell, gained an admission from Lennon by wearing a wire. But by now, Bucknell seemed to be backtracking. He refused to confirm or deny Lennon had told him of the murder plan, despite the evidence. The Hampshire report would describe him as a disappointing witness. Whatever the incentives to eventually testify, Lennon's description of the suggested murder plot had three elements that could not be retroactively changed. In Bucknell's account, they had predated Daniel's murder by a year. They had been recorded covertly by Bucknell before Lennon could be offered any kind of deal. And of course, they anticipated Fillory taking Daniel's role at Southern Investigations by more than a year. Perhaps it was the implications about Fillory and the suggestion of major police corruption in a murder that deterred Hampshire from pursuing Lennon's evidence any further.
3: Doesn't it seem like we're back to the same cover-up? The same cover-up we saw about the missing documents in Daniel's car. The same cover-up we saw about shutting down any investigation into Taffy's suicide. Because why would they back off something so important like this? It does seem as if Fillory, is too dangerous or too important they daren't go near him
5: or any other police officer and next episode we'll see where this police corruption went during the wilderness years for the morgan family but the 90s boom time years for reese and fillory and news of the world as they pioneered their dark arts of computer hacking bribing cops and the tabloid sting
3: Episode 4 was produced by Peter Dukes and Devi Amir. Music by Mir. Additional music support by Incompetech. A Flameflower
4: Duende Production.